based with an organized religion. Michael Graff. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, you have got to be kidding, sir. First you think of an idea that has already been done. And then you give it a title that nobody could possibly like. The Michael Graff Show. Hi, it's a kite, everybody. Goofballs. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. I see. Pretend nothing has happened and hope everything turns out all right in the morning. Just a thought, sir. I've considered that. Warning. The following broadcast is presented without the use of talking points, blatant hypocrisy, or Kool-Aid. You know, it's bad when this guy has to become the voice of reason. It's the return of the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. I'm just sort of thinking out loud here. But I really believe that we need to change up the intro again. I'm just throwing it out there, you know, look. One of many changes we need to start making around here. All right, welcome in. It's another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show live and worldwide. Well, not really live, you know. Although, maybe coming soon. Just a little tease. Uh, It is uh, our program. Thank you for joining us. It is, uh, what the hell is today? Wednesday, February 2nd, 2011. I have to tell you something. Um... The next person to come up to me and talk about global warming gets punched in the face. That's just a public service announcement I'm throwing out there right now. I don't think walking out there this afternoon in the in the sun, it was a perfectly sunny day here in Phoenix today. All right. I was walking out there. I have my leather jacket on. I, you know, I'm, I'm bundled up. I have never been so cold walking in Phoenix, Arizona. On a sunny day. It was literally 40 degrees at 4 p.m. That's it. It was 40. I left my house. I went out someplace yesterday. It was 39 when I left at like 3 in the afternoon. Uh, The only other times I've ever seen it that cold in Phoenix were because it was either raining or snowing. Which in and of itself is a rare enough event. This uh, massive storm that has engulfed the country is incredible. They're talking about this from the Gulf Coast all the way up to the Central Plains east over into uh, Michigan, Ohio, all the way to New York. They've had freezing rain, snow, sleet, rain, wind, cold. It's been insane. And where it's really been felt uh, the worst is in Dallas because everybody's gathered for the Super Bowl coming up this Sunday and all the media is there. They've had media day. They have Radio Row set up there. A whole bunch of people are complaining about the weather in Dallas because there's really no compelling story to the Super Bowl because, quite frankly, I know that everybody seems to love the Pittsburgh Steelers and for some reason people like the Green Bay Packers, but it's just not a compelling matchup. It's not a compelling Super Bowl. So the media has to write about how crappy the weather's been in Dallas. And it really has been cold and icy there. They've had only highs in the 20s. That's insane. And they're covered in ice. They've shut down the city. The Dallas... Fort Worth Airport closed for the first time since 9-11. And I can't even remember the last time that the Dallas airport closed because of weather-related issues. Closed. Completely shut down. 
something like, and I, I don't know if I have this number exactly right. I thought I saw this today. Something like 12,000 flights have been canceled. Just an insane number because of the weather. All right, anyway, so that's what we're dealing with now. But this storm system is out of here. A nice weekend coming up for a lot of places, especially here in the southwest. It, it was, uh, it was. Uh, let's see, the forecast lows tonight, 20, well, actually 18 to 27, the forecast lows for Phoenix tonight. So I, I decided, I, I, of course, asked the obligatory question, where is Al Gore? Because you know Al Gore is going to rain in on this or snow in on this. He's uh, got something to say. You know, you know that's going to be true. So I decided to take the bull by the horns and go to the Al Gore website and see uh, what Al Gore has to say. Because naturally, if it's cold in the winter, it's a result of global warming. Because people don't seem to understand that in the winter, it's supposed to snow. And there's supposed to be cold weather. All right. So let me see. Uh, let, me, uh, let me pull up the Al Gore website here. This is exactly, I'm just going to read uh, verbatim what's on here. All right. Last week on his show, Bill O'Reilly asked, why has Southern New York turned into the tundra? And then said he had to, he had a call in to me. And I appreciate the question. Al writes, as it turns out, the scientific community has been addressing this particular question for some time now. And they say the increased heavy snowfalls are completely consistent with what they have been predicting as a consequence of man-made global warming. Quote, in fact, scientists have been warning uh, for at least two decades that global warming could make snowstorms more severe. Snow has two simple ingredients, cold and moisture. Warmer air collects moisture like a sponge until it hits a patch of cold air. When temperatures dip below freezing, a lot of moisture creates a lot of snow. A rise in temperature can create all sorts of havoc, ranging from hotter dry spells to colder winters, along with increasingly violent storms, flooding, forest fires, and loss of endangered species. That is directly from Al Gore. So, of course, you knew he would weigh in on all of this. I have to tell you, this is the thing. This is, it's the ultimate straw man argument. Anytime it's too hot, if it's too cold, if it's a little above normal, if it's too normal, if it's too dry, too wet, too icy, too snowy, too rainy, too foggy, too windy, not enough wind. Uh, whatever conditions happen, they'll immediately blame it on man-caused global warming. Because as you know, there has never been a severe storm in the history of the United States before, in the history of the world before. It only has happened in the last few decades. And certainly, we've never had cold temperatures as far south as uh, the latitude of Dallas, which is what, 32 and a half degrees north or something. We've never had cold temperatures down there. They've never had an ice storm before. There's never been a severe blizzard that has ever affected any parts of the world at any time ever. Only in the last 20 years because Al Gore has decided that there is man-caused global warming. Even though he has absolutely no scientific evidence. He has no degree, for one thing. He's not a climatologist. He's not a meteorologist. He's never probably even taken a course in meteorology or atmospheric science. And yet somehow this guy is going to tell us. And people are going to buy into his crap. This is what happens. This is why people are suckers. They see it's cold. And they say, this is a result of global warming. And then people say, well, how can it be warming if it's cold? So he says, okay, look, look, look. it's global climate change. And it's because of man. 
I don't doubt for a second that the climate of planet Earth evolves and changes and, you know, and there's variations. Nobody doubts that. Climate is cyclical. He talks about how more moisture produces more snowfalls, heavier snowfalls. And as a result, there's there's got to be a consequence. There's drier, hotter summers, colder winters, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, here's what happens. We've explained this cycle time and again. And this is, and people have a hard time accepting this, I guess. But it's one of the very basics that you learn in an introductory course in meteorology or climatology. Here's what happens. The planet starts to get warmer because there are fewer clouds. And what happens when the planet gets warmer is that means warmer air can hold more moisture. So eventually what happens is more clouds form. And then those clouds start producing more precipitation and then they block out or reflect more of the sun's solar radiation so it doesn't reach the surface of the earth. So then because there's more clouds, it gets cooler. And then because it's getting cooler and cooler and cooler, then there's not as much warm air to hold as much moisture to support as much cloud cover. So that means the clouds go away. There's not as many clouds and then more solar radiation can get through. And then the earth starts warming again. And then as the earth starts warming again, more warm air, more clouds. You see, it's a it's a cycle. You see how that works? It's really that simple. The only thing that complicates these patterns and the thing that makes these patterns more or less pronounced happens to be things like volcanic eruptions. Um, any sort of sunspot activity that can certainly complicate the situation quite a bit. We don't even know the impact of sunspots on our climate necessarily. We're busy studying the sun all the time. Those coronal mass ejections, those uh, the sunspots, the phases of the sun. It's a great big nuclear reaction that is going on. I don't want to say infinitely, but for our purposes, ostensibly, infinitely, it just goes on and on and on. But we, but there are individual fluctuations in the sun. That's why there are sunspots. That's why those ejections. That's why those, all those weird flares and whatnot. And on our, on our own planet, you have Mount St. Helens, Mount Pinatubo, uh, that uh, unpronounceable volcano in Iceland that uh, looks like an eye chart, the name of that thing. So you have all of these various factors that come together to produce... Uh, changes in our own atmosphere. So yes, and of course, on a micro scale, man can affect uh, individual environments, sure. But the global climate is so much more affected by other things that are so far beyond the control of mankind. And then we did that story on the air uh, a couple of weeks ago about how the, they ran these simulations, they ran these computer models... And they said, even if we stopped all of our carbon emissions now, if today all carbon emissions stopped on planet Earth and there were none, there were no other carbon emissions, not, nothing from volcanoes, nothing from man, nothing from anything. Still, we would have catastrophic climate change that would persist through the year 3000. So the point is, why even bother? What's going to happen is going to happen. And any legislation that you pass, anything else you do, it's merely for control. It's merely about money or profiteering or alarmist uh, behaviors. And that's the, quote, science behind global warming. People, I don't mind people saying global warming or global climate change. I, what I object to is the idea that 
the arrogance behind the notion that man affects the global climate. And even if man affects the global climate, it's on such an infinitesimally small scale that it can't even be. And we really don't know. I mean, we have what? 150 years of scientific temperature data. And before that, yes, we have carbon dating. Yes, we have all sorts of other things. But if we look at that, we've seen great ice ages that have come and gone. Man had nothing to do with those ice ages. There have been great heat waves, droughts, floods, famine. None of that has had anything to do with man. So I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm just not going to buy into this. But I, I had to go and check out and see what Al Gore had to say about all of this. All right, anyway, uh, I, I failed to even give you the contact information for the program. Here we are. Yes, the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for your contributions to this program of a monetary nature. Uh, AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name Michael Graff Show, always available to you 24-7, 365. We respond to all messages and comments and everything else, including the death threats. So you can always keep those coming in. All right. Uh, obviously, for anything else Michael Graff related to find out uh, when new shows are posted or to interact with us and uh, get in on all that, you can go to the one, the only michaelgraff.com. Uh, once again, yes, michaelgraff.com. All right. People ask about um, is our show, you know, how to get it. I mean, you can get the RSS feed right off of there. That'll alert you when there's uh, new shows or, of course, just go to the website. Just check it out. Comment. Uh, participate with other listeners. Um, I, I'm just thinking about some of the changes, some of the things that we want to do with MichaelGraff.com, and I'm just going to kind of throw these ideas out on the air. We want people to start registering. We're going to set up a, a situation eventually where you can become a registered member of our site. As it is, you can subscribe and get email alerts when there's new shows posted or new information. But uh, we want to set up a, uh, you know, a members area for people to uh, sign up. And eventually we're going to have a, a whole bunch of more shows and more stuff. And we're going to put up a, a lot of the older archives of the show for listeners to check out. Uh, there may be a small subscription fee that comes along with that. And I'm just throwing that out there. Eventually. Um, not right now. Uh, not tomorrow. But uh, eventually, because it's going to take a lot of work to put all of that up there. and uh, But there's going to be a lot more shows. We're going to be doing uh, 40 weeks of shows a year. Just uh, probably bringing back some aspect of a live element to this show. At least uh, once a week, we'll probably have a live element to this show. Because people have been asking about that. Now, part of me kind of goes, I don't, I don't see what the difference is between this show, hearing it live and hearing it... Um, in this form, you know, because in this form, you can get it whenever you want. You download it, you listen, it's cool. I mean, I get it if you want to call in or if you want to send a message. But I mean, most people that listen live, they don't do that kind of stuff. So I don't know why the live aspect is is so important. But there's a lot of people that want to get it live. So if if I'm to go by all the people that talk about the, the era of the show when we did the show live for like nine, over nine years we did the show live. If I'm to take all of those messages to heart, then that means there's going to be like about 10,000 people that listen to us live. If I, if I go by that. So, and let's hope so. That would be incredible. So that's just something I'm, I'm throwing around, something I'm kicking around.
Uh, a few other things. Obviously, we haven't done a show since uh, last week, uh, since the State of the Union address by the president. And I'm not going to go into I mean, it's dated material now, so I really don't want to get into too much. Uh, the thing that was, of course, uh, people did ask my opinion on the speech, and I will tell you that I found that the president's State of the Union address was, as usual, long on style and short on substance. I thought it was a great speech. There was even parts of the speech where I was nodding in, in agreement with the president. There were many sentiments that I found that the president shared that are agreeable points that I think most Americans can come together on. Uh, even if you're somewhat partisan in nature, I, I thought that there were good points in there. The president talked about the need to invest in infrastructure. I agree with that. We have 70,000 bridges in a horrible state of disrepair in this country. We need to address that. We have a power grid that is sitting here. It is from the 70s at best. And in many parts of the country, it's much older than that. We haven't built a new power plant or a new refinery in this country in forever. We need to invest in better forms of energy. Green technology, nuclear technology. Uh, we need to sort of do that kind of stuff. And, and I agree with the president all, on all of those sentiments. Then he talks about we need to invest in education. That's where I get lost. Sorry, uh, we, I, I realize in this country we do lack, we lag behind in education. We really do. We rank, uh, well, we rank pretty poorly. We're ninth in terms of uh, citizens that have degrees from universities. We're terrible in terms of our uh, representation in math and science. And our school systems are, in large part, they're a joke. But it has nothing to do with how much money we spend on education. Do you know of, of the top of the 34 wealthiest countries in the world, the United States per capita spends more money than any of them except Switzerland. We spend per capita more than anybody else. We are number two in spending per capita on education. So then why aren't we getting the results? Well, because, as usual, it relies upon more than just throwing money at the problem to solve it. We need to be more introspective. We need to get teachers that are willing and able and capable of teaching. We need to get administrators who are competent. We need to, first of all, we need to cut back on the administration side of schools. We need to emphasize personal accountability and discipline, not only for students, but for parents. We need to start holding parents accountable if their students are truant. We need to start holding parents accountable for this lackluster uh, performance that their students have. And we need to start holding students accountable. And we don't do that. And instead, what we do is we dumb down the curriculum. We bring the curriculum down to the level of our students rather than pulling them up to the curriculum, to the standards that we need to set forth. I can guarantee you, I started my uh, public school career, if you will, my academic uh, process in what, 19, I want to say 1983, I believe. Yeah, 1983 to 1996. I can guarantee you that the curriculum in public schools in from 1983 to 1996 is a lot harder. It's a lot more difficult and a lot more rigorous than the curriculum today, with one exception. The computer aspect of the curriculum today is obviously more advanced because computers are more advanced. Uh, we're not using Apple IIs anymore, unless, unless you're at uh, some of the poorer schools, unless you went to like one of the schools I went to, where I, I'm sure they probably still have Apple IIs and they probably still have Oregon Trail. 
Imagine Oregon Trail. They're still playing that somewhere. I, I know there are kids that are still playing that in a school someplace. <laughs> I would not doubt it at all. So that's one thing that we need to do. We obviously need to handle that aspect of education. Obviously, the parents. Obviously, uh, we need to get updated computers. We need to get updated technology in our school systems. For too long, we've been lagging behind in that aspect as well. But throwing more money at the problem isn't going to solve it. We need to actually take a, a good look at the problem and we need to dissect it and we need to handle the situation a lot better than what we're doing right now. And that is uh, the, the real problem here. And that's what the president, of course, didn't address. His solution is let's just throw more money at it. We, we throw enough money. Thanks. Thanks a lot. The other part of the speech was when he was talking about infrastructure, then the president, for some reason, I don't know if the president's speech writers went into the White House archives and they wanted to look for some inspiring words from previous administrations. I don't know if they went to Ulysses S. Grant's speeches or maybe uh, Andrew Jackson's speeches or somewhere from back then, Martin Van Buren, because the president again brings up the idea that we need to invest in trains. Really? Yes, the idea straight out of the 19th century. We need to invest in trains, rail systems. And of course, he was also talking about high-speed rail, bullet trains, that kind of thing. Now, well, I agree that bullet trains are neat. Uh, I think they're cool. I think they, in Japan, they really work well. Here's the problem. Do you know how much it would cost to build a bullet train? They've been talking about building a bullet train from Los Angeles to Las Vegas forever. There was a, the talk of building a, a bullet train from Phoenix to Las Vegas for a long time. That's an idea. It's First of all, it's never going to get done. That's an idea that is great, but it's a leisure item. It really is. It's a luxury item. People are going to use that for leisure travel more than they are for business. And how many times have you really honestly heard people clamoring for more trains in this country? Have you ever been at an airport or at a bus station or something like that? And you hear people go, man, I sure wish we had more trains in the United States. One thing that would make this all go a lot better are more trains. And the president talked about that. And then he talked about how, oh, you know, we can have trains. It'll be great. You know, you get everything that travel has to offer without the pat downs. Yeah, except you're still going to get patted down. There's still going to be tight security for that. Don't get me wrong. You know that. Trains. That's what he wants to invest in. We're going to invest in trains. I'll tell you when we can invest in trains in this country. It's just like when you have a house. And let's say you have a house and you need new cabinets because the cabinets you have now are falling apart. And you need new shingles on the roof. And you have that backyard light that keeps flickering and buzzing because the wiring is faulty. And you need a new paint job in the house. And quite frankly, you got some plumbing issues. You got some leaks springing up all over the place. You got leaky faucets and whatnot. Okay, once you fix the cabinets and the shingles on the roof and the flickering light and the plumbing and the paint job and everything else that you need to do, then you can add an extra room to the house. But until then... You might want to fix everything else that's wrong with the house before you make additions to it. And these are costly additions. Do you, again, I emphasize, do you know how much it would cost to build a bullet train from here to Las Vegas, let's just say, or from Los Angeles to San Francisco? Do you know how much that would cost? The light rail system that they put in in Phoenix, Arizona, which isn't even completed yet has already cost the taxpayers more than a billion dollars. 
It's about, I don't even know how long it is right now, 20 miles maybe? Not even? It's about 20 miles? Okay, well, from here to Las Vegas is eh, 280 miles. All right, so let's take the cost right now and multiply it by 14. Plus, of course, you have to go over mountains and whatnot. So I'm just going to take the cost and conservatively multiply it by 20. And, of course, a bullet train is completely different technology, so it actually costs even more. You're looking at 20, 30, 40 billion dollars to build such a project. Probably more than that, I would imagine. Because the technology, it, it is, that is a major, major undertaking. And it would take 30 years to build it. You know how slow things are built. I mean, yeah, in Iraq, we can build a pipeline that goes 600 miles in three days. We get the Army Corps of Engineers to do something. They'll get it done in an instant. But we have, uh, we have guys, we have union construction guys, and we have independent contractors. It'll take you forever, and it'll always cost twice as much as they say it's going to cost. Well, I mean, we're only going to work four hours a day, and we get to have an hour and a half lunch. And we get breaks. We get smoke breaks, I'm telling you. So the president with his train idea, again with the trains, give me a break. So I didn't hear a lot of solutions. I heard a lot of stuff. I heard a lot of nice sentiments. I heard a lot of nice, eloquent speech. But I did not hear a lot of solutions to what needs to be done. And that's what a lot of Americans were looking for. But, you know, he did get about a 90% approval on the speech. Because, again, people, when you, when you talk to people like they're stupid, when you tell people things and you give them a bunch of, of very positive notions, people can agree with positive notions. It's like a used car salesman. Boy, isn't this a nice car? Hey, couldn't you just see yourself behind the wheel of this car? Well, how much is it going to cost? Hold on, hold on. Look at this paint job. This is brand new. I'm telling you right now, we got with the, these these tires oh, and gas mileage. This baby gets 42 miles to the gallon. I am telling you, it is a great car. Don't you think so? I, will, I mean, yeah, it is. A, that's what the president does. But the real questions that people have and the real things that people need answered, those aren't getting answered. And that's the problem with a speech like that. And again, there were points I agreed with him about. And I agreed with him that we have too many departments to handle too many issues. But, you know, again, um, that's something that's never going to change in government. He can say that all he wants. And, and again, that's really nice. And it makes for good comedy. And um, the other aspect of the speech, too, that I found was really interesting was last year in the State of the Union, the president basically said, we don't need them, referring to the Republicans. We'll, if they don't want to come along with us, we'll just do it ourselves because he had a super majority. We'll just do it ourselves. We don't need them. Screw them. Now it was, hey, we need bipartisan cooperation. We need Republicans and Democrats to work alike, blah, 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 the spirit of cooperation. That's all well and good. And, and that's fine that he says that. But the spirit of cooperation, uh, that's, a, that's a bit of a new tact from the president. I wonder what happened between last year and this year to make him change his tune. Oh, yeah, that's right. We had a big old election in November, and it seems that the momentum has shifted dramatically toward the Republicans in the House. And it's shifting toward the Republicans in the Senate. And if the president isn't careful, it will shift toward Republicans in 2012. Although, I have to tell you, I, I just... I'm looking at potential Republican GOP, you know, candidates here for 2012. And I am to say I'm not impressed. Um, doesn't even begin to cover it. 
Wow. Michelle Bachman, really? And I know people wanted to defend Michelle Bachman. She had that uh, she had that rebuttal. She had the rebuttal to the rebuttal of the State of the Union address. And that's another weird thing. I don't know when we started the idea of a rebuttal to a State of the Union address. When did that start? I don't remember. As a kid, I don't remember it. I don't remember uh, there being a Democratic rebuttal to the Ronald Reagan State of the Union or even the George H.W. Bush State of the Union. And I, I think maybe it started during the Clinton administration, but I don't know. I don't know when that became the hip thing to do. But now now we have a rebuttal from the opposite party. So, like, for example, uh, they had uh, they had a Republican rebuttal and then they had Michelle Bachman doing the Tea Party rebuttal. And then they had somebody doing a rebuttal in Spanish. I don't know if you saw that. That was weird. But the Michelle Bachman rebuttal was really bizarre. It was really bizarre. And, um, you know, the Tea Party is cool in some ways. I, I agree with the notion of stop spending, which is sort of the idea that was driving the Tea Party in the first place. Um, and I know they've gotten a bad rap because, you know, there's this idea that they're racist and everything like that. Meanwhile, nobody can produce any evidence of that. Like people say, oh, they spit on black uh, congressmen. There's no video of it. Every time you ask them to produce video of that or signs that show uh, the, the racial epithets, they never can produce them. So that's just a bunch of crap. They just don't like the Tea Party because it represents another faction of people that are pissed off, not just with Democrats, by the way. They're pissed off with Republicans. That's why they formed their own party. But on the other hand, you could not have picked a worse spokesperson for your party than Michelle Bachman. Between Michelle Bachman and Sarah Palin, I don't know who's dumber. Sorry, but I'm not. I mean, Sarah Palin's nice and uh, I, I guess she's OK to look at, um, at least in terms of women in politics. I mean, she's about the hottest woman in politics. I mean, she's kind of average fair in terms of, you know, women. But in terms of women in politics, she's pretty good looking. But uh, she's just not uh, she just doesn't have it all going upstairs her and michelle bachman and it's not because they're women there are plenty of smart women in in politics plenty of smart women on on both sides of the aisle hey listen condoleezza rice is was uh, a very smart woman she was no dummy and you'll notice she's keeping her mouth shut she's not going around talking about running for president at least as far as i know i haven't heard her throw her hat of the ring for president in 2012 so um Probably smart to do that. They would just totally assassinate her character anyway. I don't know why, but I'm sure they would find a reason to. But this Michelle Bachman, she's giving this address and she's going off about how the slavery and the founding fathers and how the founding fathers ended slavery. And I thought, wait a minute. The founding fathers didn't end slavery. They owned slaves. I mean, true, George Washington let his slaves go free, but the fact is he owned slaves in the first place. I, I didn't understand what she was talking about. And I heard her address. I, I, I checked it out the next day. Um, CNN apparently was the only network, not even Fox News carried the Michelle Bachman address. They, had, they wanted nothing to do with it. CNN, though, at this point, they don't even care what they put on. They put on that Piers Morgan. So I guess they don't really care what they put on anymore. <laughs> They'll put on anybody. I should try and get a show on CNN, except the problem is I would get more people that listen to my show off of my website than I would on CNN. I'm pretty sure. Man. So 
that was a, a completely um, incomprehensible little speech soliloquy that Michelle Bachman gave. She's giving our uh, fellow, she's giving fellow Minnesotans a bad name. She really is. Between that and Jesse Ventura. I mean, actually, I kind of like Jesse Ventura now. <laughs> I mean, a lot more than Michelle Bachman. Come on. I'd support Jesse Ventura for president over Michelle Bachman. He'd never run. He's smarter than that. But really, I don't know who the Republicans are going to trot out there in 2012. And, and frankly, I mean, I heard Donald Trump's name and that would be a person maybe you could get behind. But I don't know. I don't know if he's really going to do it or not. There's a lot of names out there. Mitt Romney's probably going to run again. Eh, really? Wait, that's that's the best you guys could admit Romney. Come on. We got to got to raise the bar a little higher than that. Retreads. Never was guys and uh, and unelectable people like Sarah Palin. That's the problem. All right, um, man, we got so much more to get into, and uh, we're we're already deep into the show. So I, I guess I gave you a little bit of a wrap up of uh, of what went on there. Mike at kmgx.com. That is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. But we've got to talk about the situation in Egypt. That's just spiraling out of control. That continues to go bad. Um, yeah, I have mixed thoughts on this. I'm not exactly sure where to lean on this because, of course, you're getting two very contrasting sides of the story depending on what media you go to, depending on what pundits and talking heads you believe. Um, there's two sides to this, and, and I'm... I'm not exactly sure what to trust and what to think because it's a very fluid situation. We already had sort of a, a revolution go on in Tunisia. Now we've got Egypt. Uh, this could very well spread to other nations that are sort of uh, an oppressed people like Syria and Jordan. And uh, uh, this, this can spread all over the place, all across the Middle East. And Honestly, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. I mean, part of me thinks it is because you have people that are that are oppressed. You have some people that are really living in horrible conditions. If you if you heard about some of the stuff that's going on in Egypt, 40 percent unemployment. That's worse than the United States during the Great Depression. 40 percent unemployment. And these are people that make what a ten dollars a day or 15, 20 dollars a day on average. That's the kind of conditions that people in Egypt are living in. You think Egypt, it's got a rich culture. It's a hub for tourism. They have the Suez Canal there, which is another reason that all of this is very concerning. If this was like Mozambique, I don't think anybody would care. There's been this kind of unrest going on in Nigeria forever. Nobody gives a crap. But because there's some type of resource or some type of way that our uh, oil prices could be affected, that's when people start to care. Like nobody cares about what happens in, uh, in Burkina Faso or, uh, or Morocco. Nobody cares. But it, what's going on in Egypt, because there's the Suez Canal there, the people care. Believe me. And it is a big hotbed for tourism, I guess. I mean, I would go to Egypt, I suppose. I wouldn't go now. And I won't go for any time in the near future. Absolutely not. Just like people say, ah, oh, man, a Lebanon, it's so beautiful. Yeah. You know, you go to Lebanon. You go there. Uh, not me. 
Iraq, man. That's ancient Babylon. I want to go and check it out. You go to Iraq then. I'll stay here. I'll stay here and live. Thanks. I mean, sure, there's always a chance I could get shot or I could... But I mean, I don't deliberately put myself in the line of fire and dare fate to kill me. So... But the Egyptian situation, that that really has gotten out of control. So we will have to talk about that. Uh, I've got to talk about Canada is a little bit out of control with their, with their censorship. They have their own version of the FCC in Canada known as the CRTC. And you'll never guess what they have put the clamp down on now. I, I, you know, you always think of Canada as a lot more liberal than the United States in a lot of ways. Like they're much more tolerant of certain things. And, and it, partially it is true. They're much more open. Their drug laws are, are certainly less screwed up than our own, especially in places like uh, British Columbia. But in a lot of ways, they have certain rules for broadcast that just make no sense at all. And this is one of those. We're going to talk about that. Plus, smokers in New York City, um, you're basically breaking the law if you want to smoke anywhere, whether it's in your house, outside your house. You'll never guess where another another place that you cannot smoke anymore in New York City. We'll have that. And we have, of course, the Michael Groff Show stupid news file. We're going to get to that. That is chuck full of uh, just craziness. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what else we've got. we got a lot to get to. Mike at KMGX.com. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. More coming up. Michael Groff. The Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Segment number two, it's the Zip Code Famous Michael Grob Show on a Wednesday, February 2nd, 2011. The Groundhog, by the way, Puxatawney Phil, apparently did not see his shadow. I don't know how he could. He was buried under about seven feet of snow. 
So that means spring is only six more weeks of winter. Isn't that, is that what that's supposed to mean? Which is weird because, of course, spring, the equinox, occurs in six weeks. What a scam. You know, there are people, there are thousands and thousands of people that go to, to Pennsylvania to go and participate in the festivities involving Groundhog Day. People will look for any excuse to drink. That's really what I've, the conclusion I've come to. There is an excuse to drink for everything. You know, we have, we have our own Groundhog here in Arizona. We have Agua Fria Freddy. Do we still have that? Or did Agua Fria Freddy die? Agua Fria Freddy, I believe, was a Gila monster. And so they did the same thing here to see if Agua Fria Freddy saw his shadow. That, that used to be the thing. I remember when I worked at the National Weather Service, That's uh, we'd put out public information statements saying whether or not uh, Agua Fria Freddy saw his shadow or whatever it was, or if he ate a, a lizard or I don't know, whatever it is that Gila monsters do. I, I, don't, I don't remember. It was just something, everybody has their own version. Then again, this is the place that on New Year's we have a giant chip that goes drops down into dip. <laughs> Not making that up. That's kind of wackiness that we have here. All right. Uh, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for your most generous monetary contributions to the program. AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name, Michael Groth Show. M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F show on AOL Instant Messenger, just in case you needed the spelling lesson. And of course, for everything else Michael Groff related, you know, the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. You can go there, you can donate to us, you can participate, check out the latest shows, comment on the shows. We really do encourage you to uh, give us your comments, your feedback, put them up on the website. I don't care, positive, negative, whatever, get some good... Uh, debate going or just uh, weigh in on whatever you'd like on any show. We have uh, backdated uh, all the shows going back to uh, 2009 so far, or at least to December of 2009. So uh, those are all up and available. All right. And uh, more stuff coming, more exciting things I already outlined sort of in the first segment. All right, uh, from New York, of course, this is uh, the nanny state continuing to take over. This is the same place that has uh, banned trans fads from restaurants. So restaurants no longer have a choice in how they prepare food. Uh, they want to crack down on how much salt you use, and uh, they want to get involved in uh, anything that has to do with your health. Now, smokers are again the target in New York. It's not nearly enough that they pay more money in taxes, I think, than anywhere else in the country. But uh, smokers now are telling Michael Bloomberg to, and you got to love the pun in this story, but out of our business. Quote, we're outside. We should have freedom to smoke. City Hall Park smoker Harvey Forbes told CBS2. So what's going on in New York is they want to uh, now they're cracking down on smokers in all city parks. And anywhere, basically, in public, by a vote of 36 to 11 on Wednesday, the city council approved the bill to ban smoking in all city parks, beaches, and pedestrian plazas. Quote, 
People who have made the decision not to smoke have civil liberties too. And their health and their lives should not be negatively impacted because other people have decided to smoke, Council Speaker Christine Quinn said. Uh, Council members who voted against the ban said that they see it as an invasion of individual rights. Quote, we have this crazy idea that we can change the way people behave. You can't have salt. You can't have sugar. Hop on a bicycle because it's bad to drive your car. It's ridiculous. What's next, said uh, Minority Whip Eric Ulrich. Adding when asked if New York City is becoming a police state, quote, I think so. It's a slippery slope. There's no constitutional right to smoke in city parks and beaches to smoke, but smokers uh, have no legal recourse. Civil libertarians like Norman Siegel said that the ban is just plain wrong. Quote, I think we're moving toward a nanny state where government thinks they know what's best for us. You can inform, educate, and persuade, but don't take away our freedoms, Siegel said. See, this is again what New York has been struggling with for a long time. It started with the trans fats. Now it's moving on to salt. It's moving on to cigarettes. And now you can't smoke in city parks and public beaches. Meanwhile, um, here's really the issue. There's, what, uh, eight uh, in, in metro, in, in the New York metro area, in the tri-state area. What are there in that uh, metro area? About 12 million people? Imagine all the cars and the exhaust. Just just that alone, okay? Just that alone. The, the carbon dioxide, the carbon monoxide, the sulfur, and the other particulates that are thrown into the air by all of that. And we're going to try and address uh, the issue of smoking. And really, doesn't the city council in the city of New York have much better things to do? Don't politicians in general have bigger things to worry about than whether or not people are smoking in public? Aren't there more pressing issues that are facing our country right now? Don't we have nearly 10% unemployment? Don't we have a $14 trillion debt? Aren't we dealing with a $1.5 trillion deficit coming up? Aren't we, uh, doesn't the state of New York, doesn't New York City have its own financial issues? Doesn't it have bigger issues, the homeless? Doesn't it have a lot of other issues that they should be dealing with rather than whether or not people are smoking in public? And listen, I, I have asthma. I think smoking is a disgusting habit. I, I try to convince everybody I know not to smoke. It's really dumb, okay? It's horrible. Look, I, I, my mother had brain aneurysms and partially that can be attributed to smoking. There's no question that smoking is bad for you. But to have the government tell you where and when you can smoke is just ridiculous. And I know people are going to say, well, uh, uh, well, you got to consider the feelings of other people. Look, if you're going out into free society, if you're walking out into public, you're breathing in a lot of bad things. Deal with it. It's called living in society. If you don't like it, tough. My God, if you really wanted to be altruistic, you would cut down, you would eliminate cars. You would tell people they can't drive their cars anymore. You would cut down on everything that is producing pollution on planet Earth if you really wanted to be altruistic because those things are putting out far more pollutants and far more dangerous pollutants than anything else. It's unbelievable. Hey, yeah, you don't need a car. You don't have to have a car. I've lived 33 years, haven't been able to drive. Guess what? I get around fine. Thank you very much. If you want to ban smoking, then you better ban everything else too. Ban smoking in public places. 
Well, people are still breathing in all that exhaust. Like it matters. You know what it is? It's just, just, I would, I would have a lot more respect for the city council if they just said, look, we hate smokers. We find them offensive. We don't like the smell of cigarettes. We don't like anything that has to do with smoking. We think it's a disgusting habit. So what we're going to do is we're going to legislate our morality and impose it upon the general public. Nice to see the liberal New York City strikes again. Raining in on your civil liberties. Good job, guys. Good job. A John Jay College public management professor said that he finds it hard to believe that secondhand smoke outdoors is harmful. Quote, what is the documentary evidence that secondhand smoke on the street is bad for you? It's a tough sell. There's a lot of air out here. Not much of it has cigarette smoke, says Daniel Feldman. The law takes effect 90 days after Mayor Bloomberg signs it. Quinn said that it is he uh, she's very glad that the New York that New York is becoming a public health city. The smoking ban will cover some 1700 parks, 14 miles of public beaches, plus boardwalks, marinas, and pedestrian plazas. <sighs> Quinn said in addition to beaches and parks becoming free of secondhand smoke, there would also be less cigarette butts littering beaches. Yeah, instead, they'll just be everything else, like the hypodermic needles that wash up on the shore, people throwing their beer cans all over the place. Uh, people are animals. Just deal with it. We already have laws against littering. Guess what? People still litter. Say <laughs> so we're going to worry about smoking. I guarantee you there are far more important issues to worry about in New York City than whether or not people smoke. Speaking of litter, this is just kind of random, but I mentioned litter. Space, apparently out in space now, it's so littered with space junk, like uh, old missiles that have been shot up into space, old test satellites that are no longer uh, applicable, just d various debris that we've just junk that we've thrown out into space, our garbage that we've put out into space. There's so much of it floating around out there. They now say that it could eventually, uh, some of that debris is going to smash into each other eventually and start a chain reaction that could actually take out some of the satellites, the, the actual legit satellites we have up there. And uh, really, it could be harmful to astronauts. The volume of abandoned rockets, shattered satellites, and missiles, and various shrapnel in Earth's orbit is reaching a tipping point and is now threatening the $250 billion space services industry, scientists say. A single collision between two satellites or large pieces of space junk could send thousands of pieces of debris spinning into orbit, each capable of destroying further satellites global positioning systems, international phone connections, television signals, and weather forecasts are among the services which are at risk of crashing in a, to a halt. This chain reaction could leave some orbits so cluttered with debris that they become unusable for commercial or military satellites, the U.S. Defense Department's Interim Space Posture Review warned last year. There are also fears that large pieces of debris could threaten the lives of astronauts in space shuttles or at the International Space Station. Again, just more junk, more crap that we've put up into space. So um, another thing that could add, it's all going to happen in 2012. 
That's what's going to happen. In 2012, all of the debris is going to start a chain reaction crashing into it itself. Here on Earth, the global warming will finally reach ahead and will freeze to death or will melt or will something will happen or they'll drought or I don't know. Or the, or all the nukes uh, will all go off at once just like they were supposed to on Y2K and everybody's clocks will flash 12. And every operating system will crash, which it pretty much already does regularly. Unreal. This is weird. And I was wondering when game shows were going to start taking advantage of the bad economy. So I see Spike TV has a new game show that they're coming out with. So you know how people have their cars repossessed? Well, this is a show that sort of takes advantage of that. So you have real life repo men that are going to take some deadbeats, some guys that uh, just can't pay off their cars, and they're going to put them on TV, and they're going to ask them a bunch of questions, and if they get the questions wrong, the guys get to repossess their cars. But if they answer the questions correct, they get, I guess, three out of five. If they get three out of five questions correct, then they'll get to keep their car, and the debt for it is completely paid off. <laughs> the show is called Repo Games. And uh, basically, it's uh, it's kind of depressing, actually, if you think about it. You get some poor guy up there who's uh, going to lose his car. And these are, this is a real... This isn't just like somebody that you, you could win a million dollars. This is just a chance to keep your friggin' car. Your, your 87 Chevy uh, S10, you're going to get to keep that, maybe. And if you can't, then they're going to come by and repo it. Really? What's next? Are we going to start foreclosing on people's homes and have a game show for that? So if you answer the question wrong, you, you, the kids get thrown out. Uh, they, they change the locks on the doors and all of your crap. Uh, they, get to, they get to keep all that. But if you get the question right, they'll, they'll uh, let you keep your house. Until you screw up again, that is. It's kind of a depressing idea. But this is a, a new concept from Spike TV. From the creators of Jersey Shore. Well, we should have known that was coming. They call the show sort of Cops Meets Jeopardy. Spike says that the show will have a fun tone similar to uh, Cash Cab and notes that the contestants will come from all walks of life, apparently not just poor people. Noting that even celebrities like Paris Hilton have had their cars repossessed. Spike has also picked up another reality show called Bar Rescue which is basically kitchen nightmares, but with bars instead of restaurants and with a guy named John Taffer instead of Gordon Ramsay. I don't know. I'm not really interested in that. I don't care about somebody's bar being rescued, but I do care about somebody's car being repossessed, I guess. It'll never happen to me because I don't own a car, but whatever. All right. Um, <laughs> Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger. Michael Groff Show, the screen name. Nice job, Spike. Way to take advantage of this uh, economy. I knew somebody would come along and figure out a way that we could cash in on a recession. Well, I can't pay my car. Well, if you can answer these questions, then uh, yeah. What's the... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, we'll start. What's the capital of Mat Madagascar? We'll just start asking him uh, those kind of questions. Name the only landlocked country in Africa surrounded by other landlocked countries. Those kinds of things. Well, ask who is the last player in Major League Baseball to hit 400 in a season? And it'll be pretty depressing, especially when they lose and you get to see them start crying because they've lost their car. 
But then again, some bank will just give them another loan and they'll go out and get another car and then they'll default on that and then not be able to pay that. And then what we'll do is we'll bail them out because that's what we're going to do. We're bailing out people uh, who are in uh, foreclosure on their homes now, too. So we'll just bail people out. It doesn't matter what you do in life. You, you get bailed out eventually. So it's all good. All right. It's all good. All right. And from the censorship department, this is... I shouldn't be surprised by this, but for some reason I am. You always think of Canada as kind of a liberal country. You sort of see them as sort of a less oppressive, a less sensitive version of the United States in a lot of ways. I mean, in some ways, I know their radio laws are really weird. Their broadcasting standards are really strange in Canada. Like, for example, you can't, if you say the word retard on the air, it's pretty much grounds for an immediate firing. You cannot make fun of disabled people. There's just certain things they, they're really weird about. Meanwhile, you can smoke weed until your brain melts out of your ears. But if you go on the air and you say the word retard, uh, apparently that's like worse than anything that's ever been done in the history of the planet in Canada. So now I'm finding out that the CRTC, which is the Canadian version of the FCC, has issued another edict. They have another thing that they've come down with, and that is the song Money for Nothing is now banned from airplay in Canada. This song. I love this song. The Dire Straits. I actually have this album. Some good, good tunes on there. Love this song. And of course, you'll never guess why. Well, actually, you probably could guess why. So there's a line in here. I'll, uh, we'll go up to the... Right here. This, this is what's getting the song banned in Canada. Here you go. Check it out. The little faggot with the earring and the makeup. Yeah, buddy, that's his own So evidently the use of the word faggot in the song is no longer applicable. Now, people that have defended playing the song say, look, we've played this song thousands and thousands and thousands of times on the air. There is no reason to ban it now. It's a 25, it's more than a 25-year-old song. This song came out in the early 80s, for God's sake. Why are we banning this song now? And of course, the CRTC's response is, well, standards have changed We've evolved. Things have changed. It's nice to see that things move very, very quickly in Canada. No, really, though, I, I can't understand. Why would you ban it now? Well, here at the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show, we have provided an alternative version for people in Canada. I give full permission to any station in Canada that doesn't want to have to deal with the fines or the possible suspension of their license, but they still want to play the song Money for Nothing. I give you full permission to use our alternate version. Here you go. Poser. 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 We'll just put in the word hoser. And I think that'll that'll work out just fine. All right. Um, way to go, Canada. I, I see. <laughs> They're really weird about that kind of censorship up there. The word faggot, the word retard, anything like that. You can come on the air and talk about graphic, sexual kind of content. They don't really mind that. They don't really care if you talk about lesbianism. They don't really care if you talk about sex. But if you start talking about, if you make fun of, of anybody, though, 
beyond that, if you say even the word faggot, which by the way, in that song, it's not even used in a pejorative sense necessarily. The song, it's two guys having a conversation about, they're saying, look at those people, look at those fags on MTV that are wearing their earrings, and their makeup, and they're, they're playing the guitar. They're getting money for doing nothing. That's the context of the conversation. The word faggot isn't really being used to describe them as gay as much as as just saying how angry these guys are that they're getting money for ostensibly doing nothing. I mean, not to break down the song for the folks in the CRTC, but I just thought maybe maybe it did need a little bit of an explanation. Are people really going to miss the song that much? I don't know. I like it. It's a good song. Whatever. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Also, that's our PayPal address for your monetary contributions. More coming up. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Back in a moment. The Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. MichaelGroff.com. segment of the zip code famous michael grob show for a wednesday february 2nd 2011 mike at kmgx.com the email address it's mike at kmgx.com also our paypal address for your most generous contributions to this fine program aol instant messenger michael grob show the screen name if you want to get interactive with us on irc you know, good old internet relay chat, the uh, channel over there. It's EFNet IRC Net Radio, the channel, all right? All of our other contact information and more is always available at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. Yeah. Egypt, uh, it's gotten uh, kind of crazy over there. First, we had the revolution that went on in Tunisia. And now you've got the situation in Egypt, which is continuing to deteriorate. Uh, now you've got police clashing with more protesters. This has been going on for over a week. It's been going on for weeks, actually, in uh, this, on the streets of Cairo and everywhere else. The government of Egypt, they shut off the Internet. They shut off phone communications, at least for a while. Some of that got turned back on. They shut off uh, the communication bu- or the uh, transportation from train and other public avenues. And they did all this because, well, here's the situation. The situation, for those of you that don't know, is the president of Egypt or the dictator, whatever you want to call him. I mean, he, he was an elected official, but 
It's kind of he was elected sort of in the way that Saddam Hussein continued to be elected. So this Hosni Mubarak, he is the he's the president over there and he has been in control of Egypt for over 30 years. The people are tired of his rule. He got there in the first place because the United States ostensibly put him in that position. He's sort of been a friend to the United States in so much as he allows us to fly over his country uh, for various missions that we've done in the Middle East, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan and all this. Uh, obviously, Egypt is important because of the Suez Canal. It is a major uh, transportation port through the region. And, uh, well, without that, uh, you can bet that the oil prices would be even higher than they are now, which, by the way, they're over $103 a barrel today. And so the people are tired of his rule. They, uh, there's 40% unemployment. You have people living in impoverished conditions. And I don't mean poverty like we have poverty in the United States. I mean people are, are in just squalor over there. It is a real dump, Egypt. And I can't imagine why people would want to live there. 40% uh, unemployment, people making like $10 a day. It's not a good place to live. It is really bad, all right? And take it from a guy that makes $10 a day. It's, it's not a fun lifestyle. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's what's going on over there. The people have just had enough. They, they see these rigged elections that they have. Uh, the government is completely corrupt. It is beyond anything that you could imagine. I mean, you think we have it bad in the United States. It's not even, there's not even a comparison between here and Egypt. Uh, this Mubarak has been in control for 30 years and it's just continued to deteriorate. But of course... Uh, he's sort of got a peace agreement going with Israel. So the United States thinks that's good enough for us. We helped put him there in the first place. And now our official position is, well, you probably should step down. He says, all right, I'll step down, but it's going to be in September. And now President Obama is saying, uh, well, that's not really good enough. Maybe we ought to just step down now. Because you've got your people, they're, they're going crazy over there. We have our own folks that are over there in Egypt trying to escape, trying to get out of there because it's just gotten out of hand. The military generally won't turn their guns on the people because the military is comprised of the people of Egypt. The police force, on the other hand, they're clashing with folks, uh, Mubarak's own forces. It's just gotten out of hand. And really, you, you can. there's two ways you can look at this. And there's pundits on both sides that are discussing this. On one hand, you have people saying that we should be supporting Mubarak. He's an ally. He's a friend. You know, this is uh, this. We, we've got to we got to do something. We, we do need a smooth transition to a new government, perhaps. But we have to be careful because of some of the extremists that are getting in there. And then on the other hand, you have people saying, well, this is great. These are people that are that are revolting against an oppressive government. This is just like what's happened in Tunisia. This is just it's happening in Egypt now. And the next place it's going to happen is Jordan or Syria. And this could spread all throughout the Middle East and it's great and my stance on this is probably somewhere more toward the middle I have to tell you Mubarak listen he's no he's no friend to the United States I mean he is and he isn't all right he doesn't really care he's in a he's first of all the guy is like 82 years old all right he's been in control 30 years uh really uh, Egypt is in a worse place now than it was 30 years ago the only thing is, is they're not dropping bombs on Israel. So we continue to support this guy. But my only real concern about all of this is, all right, so you have revolution going on in the streets. Who will eventually get control of Egypt then? Who will have control of the country and the Suez Canal? 
What's going to happen? Who is going to take over? You, you hear about this Muslim Brotherhood and they're, they're helping to revolt and people, Christians and Muslims alike are revolting. Well, of course, an oppressed people will, will stand together. But the problem is what happens after they win? What happens after the revolt is over? Then who, who eventually takes over the government? And that is a concern. And there is a report that this Muslim Brotherhood wants to end the peace that uh, the Egyptians have with the Israelis. Now, my, I don't know. The United States, we really ought to just not even involve ourselves. Let's just say, who cares? The only reason we care, let's be honest, the only reason we really care about what's happening in Egypt is because of the Suez Canal. This kind of crap, if it happened in, in another part of Africa, if it happened in a remote part of Eastern Europe, we really would not give two craps. And that's the thing is we don't care about this as it is now. We don't care about this situation. Or we shouldn't. We, the United States should just... Leave ourselves out of this because every time we get involved, we always seem to get the wrong people in power. We got the, the Shah of Iran. We helped Saddam Hussein. We helped him out in the 80s and fighting the Iranians. And then we took him out. And now God knows what's going to happen there. Every time the United States puts its hand in the cookie jar, every time we try and go in with this altruistic idea, we always put in the wrong people. And maybe we put in these people because we think they're going to help us, and then they eventually wind up screwing us over. So my new position, just like I feel about Iraq and Afghanistan and the rest of the Middle East, really, we ought to stay out of the entire area, period. We don't belong there. We don't need to be there. There's no reason to be there. The end. And I would caution anybody that's cheering about these uh, this revolution in Egypt. And in some ways, it is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But I would caution you with this. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful because you might get a new government in there. And this new government that you could, who knows what kind of whack jobs you're going to have. You have a lot of extremists over there in Egypt. That entire region is filled with nuts. The guy that's in there now is a nut. But you have to be careful because you could get a guy in there like Ahmadinejad or Kim Jong-il of North Korea. Is the, are these the kind of people that you really want to put in there? So again, I just will caution everybody with saying, be careful with this Egyptian situation. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful who gets into power. Um, I know people are saying, well, there's nothing to be afraid of the Muslim Brotherhood. I know people want to demonize Muslims. Well, there's a reason because the Muslim Brotherhood, according to what I'm reading about them, according to what I have seen, that's the group that doesn't, they, they want to end Egypt's peace agreement with Israel. So that's why I'm just very very worried about who gets into power because everybody over there is, is insane. But uh, again, this wouldn't even be a problem as long as the United States just chooses not to meddle in the affairs of Egypt or any of these other dumps over there in the Middle East. Tired of it. Tired of our involvement. We have too many of our own problems. And the president, I know he's, he's trying to dance around this very, very carefully because whoever gets in there, uh, he doesn't want to have to deal with... Uh, the potential blowback from whatever he says now. And, you know, the weird thing about this, too, is that the president, the president is, uh, he's sort of not really liked over in Egypt. They, they kind of give him an ambivalent sort of response and slightly even negative uh, ever since that speech he gave over in Cairo. Now they're, the people are kind of going, well, gee, why haven't you been helping us out? Why haven't you been more vocal against this Mubarak? Are you on his side? And the people are kind of thinking, well, maybe he is. Maybe the United States is really on their side. And that's why we shouldn't involve ourselves. Because whoever gets into power, they're going to hate us anyway.
because we supported the last guy who was an oppressive bastard. Ugh, it's such a mess. The whole thing's a mess. Now, uh, not to be outdone, though, there are people that are capitalizing on this, believe it or not. Yeah, I know. People capitalizing on the Egyptian situation for political points here in the United States. So look at this. So Jerry Brown, governor of California, he says that it is unconscionable that GOP legislators are vowing to block any attempt uh, to ask voters to extend tax hikes to balance the budget. Now, you might say, well, why? What does this have to do with Egypt? Listen, this is what he says, quote. When democratic ideals and calls for the right to vote are uh, are stirring the imagination of young people in Egypt and Tunisia and other parts of the world, we in California can't say now that it's time to block a vote to help people. So what he's saying is, is that the people of California need to, we need to raise taxes again to help out those less fortunate in the state. We need to start helping out the, the lesser among us, those who have the, the have-nots, because if we don't, what's going to happen is, is they're going to rise up and they are going to revolt against the government. So we need to start taxing people more. Meanwhile, in the state of California, I don't know how many people live there. I don't know how many of you live there that listen to this show, but you can probably vouch for the fact that taxes are pretty high in the state of California. And it seems that there are a lot of programs there, and yet California is what is the state with the most debt of any state in the union. He said that the budget has tough choices, but that the people, quote, have a right to vote on the package. He challenged both parties to take the difficult votes necessary to balance the budget. Quote, if you're a Democrat who doesn't want to make budget uh, reductions in programs you fought for and deeply believe, I understand that. He said, if you are a Republican who has taken a stand against taxes, I understand where you're coming from. But this time, things are different. In fact, the people are telling us in their own way, they sense something is profoundly wrong. They see that their leaders are divided when they should be decisive and acting with clear purpose. Yeah, meanwhile, he's saying, yeah, better raise those taxes or else. See, the people will use any of these kinds of situations to springboard their own agendas. And that's exactly what's happening with Jerry Brown in the state of California. It's nuts. All right, this is a, a fun story. It's time for our lawsuit of the day, everybody. Our crazy lawsuit of the day. This time, it comes from a place called Christ Church, actually. And no, I'm not talking about a church. I'm talking about a, a town. A woman is suing the police in this town for $150,000 after an officer allegedly used bolt cutters to remove her piercings. And this will be fun when you find out where she had the piercings and where they cut from. Lawyer Tony Gregg said that the woman believed to be in her 30s was arrested for obstruction in mid-2008. Gregg said that the woman allegedly... Uh, has uh, she alleged that five of her piercings, including one on her genital area, were removed using bolt cutters after she was taken into custody. The woman uh, has, was acquitted of obstruction back in early 2009. She had accused a policewoman who allegedly removed the piercings 
of unlawful sexual unlawful sexual connection, breaching the Bill of Rights, trespass to the person, and abuse of her position. The complainant has name suppression because the accusation of unlawful sexual contact. Quote, she's not concerned about the money. She just doesn't want the same thing to happen to other people. If she only gets a judge to say, yes, this happened and it's unacceptable, that will be enough. Well, then why is she suing for $150,000? See, that, that's what, when people say it's not about the money and then they sue for a big sum of money, it's all about the money. The lawyer says, if she gets her costs covered and a little bit more, She'll be happy. And I guess a little bit more in this case means $150,000. <laughs> I love people that say that. It's not really about the money, but check that out. The police used bolt cutters to remove piercings from, among other places, her genitals. I can't even begin to tell you what's wrong with this story. <laughs> Obviously. First of all, people that wear bolt cutters or people that wear uh, uh, piercings on their genitals... There's something wrong with those people automatically, but never mind that. Um, how about the fact that they use bolt cutters to remove them? Haven't you heard of just removing it, asking the person to remove their piercing? What, was a blowtorch not available? Was, was a chainsaw not readily available to the police department? They just had to use bolt cutters? You ever heard of just taking your hand and removing it? You ever heard of that? You know, like somebody has an earring, you just pull it out of their ear. You don't have to use bolt cutters. If that's true, that's amazing. The police should be sued for being just stupid if that's really what they did. Talk about making a statement. Uh, yeah, ma'am, uh, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to put on a glove. I don't really feel like removing your, your piercing, so I'm just going to remove it with a bolt cutter. We were going to use the shotgun to remove it, but we decided on bolt cutters in the back office there. Professional piercer Jeremy Spivey of Shrowen says that he had an ear piercing cut off when he was arrested for being drunk and disorderly last year. He was told to remove about eight piercings of, on his ears and nose, but could not remove one of them. Spivey said that the police used pliers to cut off the piercing. Ow. Quote, I think they make you take them out because of self-harm, but piercings are pretty blunt, so it could take a long time to cut your skin. Quote, they are quite brutal about taking them out. They don't care if they hurt you. Spivey, who works as a piercer at the Ink Grave Tattoo Shops in Christchurch, said that he had, <laughs> he had replaced piercings for quite a few people after they got cut off by police. You know, this isn't a problem if you don't get piercings in the first place. I'm just saying. All right. Just saying. All right, and then there's this. This is uh, from Florida. The St. John's County Sheriff's Office, the bomb squad, was called into Flagler County on Monday morning to dispose of a hand grenade that had been bought at an estate sale, according to deputies. So here's what happened. So this woman <clears throat> in uh, on San Pablo Court and, and the Hammock Beach area said that she had purchased the grenade thinking that it was a novelty cigarette lighter. She contacted the sheriff's office just before 11 a.m. when she determined that it might actually be a grenade. Yeah, you know, because how many, how many times have you ever seen a grenade novelty cigarette lighter? Have you ever seen 
a, a cigarette lighter that's either in the shape of like a grenade or other type of explosive device. Yeah, I got this mortar shell, <laughs> this mortar shell cigarette lighter. Turns out it was an actual mortar shell. Boy, is my face ever red. Deputies said that the firing pin had been pulled out of the grenade and apparently replaced. The bomb squad disposed of the grenade uh, before uh, 1 p.m. in an isolated area. So there you go. A woman uh, buys herself a what she thinks is a novelty cigarette lighter only to discover it's a grenade. Good thing that she didn't find out the hard way. That would have made a, a Darwin Award, I think. And let's see what else here is going on. Oh, here's another guy that died. A, a, uh, we've had uh, several deaths recently. And uh, this is one you might recognize. I don't know if you'd recognize this song, but the, this is a, a composer who died. Did many well-known songs, including uh, the theme for, uh, well, he did the Goldfinger song for uh, Bond. He actually scored several uh, songs in uh, the Bond movies. And among others, let's see, John Barry, the composer. The guy that did uh, the theme from uh, Out of Africa, this song even. It's a cool little tune. He's done a lot of movie scores. Pretty well known in the uh, music biz, at least in the composer section. I wonder if this song will get banned in Canada. So I thought I'd pass that along. He has died. Um, I gotta tell you, the media, this this is just weird. The media making a big deal about this. We mentioned this at the top of the show. The media carrying on about uh, at the Super Bowl, they're talking about the weather so much and how Dallas, they didn't realize that it was so cold. This is called unusual weather. The media finds something to bitch about all the time, especially when there's really not a compelling story surrounding the Super Bowl. So the media has, uh, for some reason or another, they have decided to complain about the weather there. And it has been bad, but I mean, really. Um, nothing like a bunch of, of guys that are sitting in a convention center most of the time, just interviewing players, complaining about the weather that's going on outside. It's not like it's going to affect the game, for one. Two, by the time the game is played on Sunday, the weather is going to be nice in Dallas. This is just to complain about it and to carry on all the carrying on that's being done is is simply ridiculous. And I, I absolutely cannot understand it whatsoever. Of course, then again, this is the same media that came here to the Phoenix area and they complained that transportation in Phoenix sucks. And man, there was a party in Scottsdale and then the, the convention centers in Phoenix and then the you know the radio rose down there in Phoenix and then the, 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 the stadium is out on the west side and it was cold in Phoenix when we were there. Yeah, it's called winter. It's supposed to be cold here in the winter. That's what winter is. But we thought it was 100 degrees every day. No, it's not. It's actually not 100. Do you know what it is right now outside? It's cold outside. Right? It's actually unusually cold. We're going to have record low temperatures tonight. 
We had a record cold high temperature today. It's cold in Phoenix. You understand what I'm driving at here? Do, do you get the point? It, it, you know, when they were here, it rained too. So the media, they, they couldn't understand how it, it's like, yes, believe it or not, even in Phoenix, Arizona, it rains. They'll complain about anything. The media, spoiled, sanctimonious sports writers. They will find something to complain about all the time. And now they're complaining about the weather that's been going on in Dallas. Shut up, guys. Really? Here's the thing. Cover the damn game. All right? Worry about Ben Roethlisberger. Talk about Aaron Rodgers. Talk about... I mean, you're talking about a, a a tremendous offense in the Green Bay Packers against a team that has a great running game in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, uh, two great defenses going head-to-head. Talk about that. That's That should be the compelling story, not the fact that, oh, my God, they had an ice storm here in Dallas, and this is what a terrible venue for the Super Bowl. They're complaining about the game. Worst Super Bowl ever. It hasn't even been played yet. I mean, really, could we... Get a hold of ourselves here a little. Ah. Unbelievable. And meanwhile, apparently that stadium, even though it's Jerry Jones, and I have no love lost for Jerry Jones, that stadium is apparently a state-of-the-art facility. It's a beautiful place, a wonderful place to have a venue like the Super Bowl, for God's sake. And they're complaining. The media. They're something else. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's also the PayPal address for this program. Always up for your monetary contributions. Again, Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger. Our screen name over there is Michael Groff Show. On AOL Instant Messenger, EFNet, IRC, the Channel Net Radio, and of course, for everything else Michael Graff related, you know it's the one, the only, michaelgraff.com. You can go on there, you can subscribe to get email alerts when new shows are posted, get the RSS feed for the show, uh, check out the About section, uh, leave your comments, get interactive on the show. Eventually, we're going to have some some nice changes if you have some uh, suggestions for our site also. We're also always open to those. Look forward to that. All right. That's it. We are out of here. We'll see you on another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show. Have a great night, everybody. See you. I'd say see you tomorrow, but I don't know. See you whenever we do the next show. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.